Welcome to Looking Ahead Podcast. Here, we try to solve the world's biggest problems using technology, leadership, and innovation. We will talk to experts and leaders in business and technology about the most pressing challenges. You will get tangible advice to grow your startup, manage your teams, and continue to innovate. Today, we are talking to Ahmed Badran, the CTO and co-founder of Magalix, about the customer obsession or start with the customer leadership principle. We talk about when we were first exposed to this concept and how different companies such as Amazon and Microsoft and also successful startups implemented in both daily and strategic decisions. Start with the customers or the customer obsession is all about setting the right priorities, both strategically and tactically. It is the North Star for the whole company. The absence of that North Star makes teams confuse the problem with the solution. It impacts team productivity and sometimes make teams lose the sense of direction. So the first time I got exposed to this concept of this leadership principle was back at Amazon. I mean, they drilled this really into you from day one. I mean, customer obsession is, is a very fundamental thing to, uh, to the Amazon way of doing things. And it manifests in itself in different ways. Uh, I mean, famously at Amazon, when you, when you want to release a new product or feature, you start with a press release. So it's kind of you, you write what you want to publish as a press release once this product is going to go out. And you work backward from that. And honestly, you know, seeing it as the way things are done, sometimes you don't appreciate it as much until you kind of see it not being used. And, and that's honestly where I learned more about it and I valued this particular leadership principle is after I left Amazon, after I've seen how things could go when you don't have customer obsession, when you don't start with the customer, uh, and how teams could easily get lost in the details and lose the North Star, as you mentioned. All right, so let's take one step back. And why is it that important in a, in a startup company? Why should leadership care? Why should anyone in a company care about that? And, and why should it be, again, back to, the, uh, to our previous episode, we said that culture should be designed. It should not just make it happen by coincidence. So why this one you need to specifically to be really explicit about it and design it yourself? Unhappy customer or a sad customer obviously is not a returning customer. And absolutely, he's not going to be or she's not going to be a, a paying customer. And ultimately, as a business, you have customers and you need to address the pain points they have with your product. And that's part of the journey of a startup or even a big company. And I think it, easily teams lose that sense of uh, purpose, I guess, of why they're doing what they're doing. Uh, they get so bogged down into the details and the colors of the buttons and the UI or or the names of the function and, and the back end uh, and lose track of, of the whole purpose of why we're doing this and how we can be innovating and really solving a customer problem. So it is essential, I think, and it's, it's essential for everyone in the organization, especially when you're a startup. I mean, everybody in the team is either a, a force multiplication or a, a, a black hole that will suck kind of energy out of the whole team. Uh, and when you have everyone thinking the same way, 
you have all those mind power helping you think about how the user will use the product, the different ways we can be helping that customer uh, and be innovative as a result in finding the right solution to that problem as opposed to which you see traditionally in a lot of especially uh, big corporate companies that are very legacy just you know somebody at the top has to think about the problem and then it keeps cascading down and kind of a phone tag uh, where the meaning is lost and people just fighting about the details and, and they really lose the connection to why are we doing this and you end up building technology for the sake of technology in the daily grind and the operational details of building your product, you may lose that sense of purpose or why you're building it. You may get obsessed with certain aspects of your product that will not provide a notable value to your customers. Yeah, so, so before I joined Magadex, actually kind of more, kind of a more recent example that's still vivid in my mind of how easily we can lose track of what we're trying to do. Um, so we had, we had this system that kind of processes a lot of data. Uh, it's engineering data, uh, telemetry type data, and, uh, and then we expose it to, to our customers who are mostly engineers. Now, they ask for a certain feature, which is, can I download this data as an Excel sheet? And okay, so it came as, as such, as a such requirement. Uh, and, and, and really, it, it was more of a, sol a solution to a problem. Um, and then kind of, you know, by the time it reached the engineer who started working on it, it was kind of like, okay, trying to figure out all the details, how are you going to write this, you know, uh, CSV files, let's say, uh, if you want to expose it as such first, uh, you know, you write them as raw first, so it's kind of, oh, what's the performance implication of that and all of this, and suddenly we're just so lost on the, de the details. But then we decided to stop for a second and just go back to the customer, just ask. Why do you need this? What are you going to use it for? Explain a little bit more. And as we dug a little bit more into that, and we asked the why, the why, we realized really almost 90% of the use cases of why they want to do it this way, uh, they really want to run some transformation functions. I mean, imagine these are, let's say, uh, some temperature uh, in Kelvin and they want to convert it to, to something else. Or uh, meters to feet. Uh, you know, a lot of engineering unit... Uh, uh, transformation or calculations, which is really basic and simple. So it's really, they don't need to download the file. It just, they knew how to do it that, that way. They had some macros, I guess, in Excel. And so if you can download it in, in this format, then they can open it in Excel sheet and they can run their thing and then do the actual. So it actually was more work for them. So the thought that came is like, well, if that's really the end goal of what you need, we can do it differently. We had a streaming API where maybe you can just tell me the function and most of these are very simple math functions and we can apply that function we can have a lot of these default built-in functions for you that you can just select from and as you call our apis we'll run this transformation this is actually going to be more efficient because in a csv i have to download a lot of the data it's row oriented so it's kind of really really a bad hit on performance especially when you have a lot of columns <coughs> kind of a lot of telemetry channels that you want to read from uh, so just asking that question and digging deeper, we realized there is a better way, more efficient way. It actually was better from even engineering and architecture that simplified the problem further, as opposed to if we just took what we heard and we didn't think. And the engineer eventually that got that requirement, he just said, oh, I, I need to write a CSV file. That, that's the requirement. That's what the user wants. But that's not necessarily what they needed.
And when you ask that question, when you start with the customer, when you realize what is their pain point and what they're trying to solve, you might come up with more creative ways of solving the problem that actually had a better chance of making the customer happier, solving their actual problem. And that become that feature simply once once we launched it, it just it saved a lot of engineers a lot of time. They were wasting a lot of time just downloading files and, and wasting time trying to convert this to something else just to see some temperature conversion, which we ended up doing actually in the UI in a streaming fashion that they can just kind of read the telemetry data back and, and see it converted on, on the fly. And they got exactly pretty much 90% of what they needed uh, in, in this way. So, so that's a vivid example that always comes to mind when, when I remember this customer obsession. I'm just starting from the customer and even as an engineer asking those questions because uh, it's really simplifying uh, things and, and really makes the customer a happier customer. Customer obsession is not like reacting to all your customers' requests. You need to dig deep into their needs rather than taking shallow requirements from them. I recommend reading The Mom Test by Rob Fitzpatrick. It provides a nice framework about how to ask your customers and validate if what they're asking for is truly valuable and will solve their core problems. This is about building the right thing. Like, if I'm a customer and I ask you to build me something, and really what I needed is kind of more of an iPhone and you give me a Ferrari. I mean, Ferrari is fantastic. That's a great product too, but that's not what I needed. That's not the right thing for, for the problem, right? So really starting with the customer this customer obsession is about making sure that you are building the right thing you could be building a fantastic product that nobody uses or at least this particular customer is not really what they need um, so uh, this is critical and the way i see it is it has to be embedded in your culture and that obsession has to be up and down the the, the chain from the individual engineers or, or individual contributors in your team all the way up to the leadership um, when everyone asks this question, it's almost adding these layers of filtering at every step to make sure we are building the right thing. Because once, you know, only the leadership are thinking about it, but the people kind of in the, in the trenches who are actually building the product or implementing things in the day, if that message is lost, you will end up with a spaghetti, you'll end up with stuff that just really could be fantastic technology, but it's really for the sake of technology and it doesn't necessarily help you move forward with, with the problems uh, the customers. And when I, tell, when I tell my engineers, it's always, when you get a task or a requirement or a feature, make sure you understand who's your customer. Um, there, is, there is a famous, obviously everybody probably knows the, why, the five whys, you know, and we use it for troubleshooting. And we talked about it when we talked about, uh, you know, correction of errors and doing postmortems and that sort of thing. Uh, and I always say, when you do it also, one way to, to make sure you're doing customer obsessions or starting with the customer, ask the five whys in reverse, in a way, right? So when you get this feature or this test, it's like, why? Why do we need to do it? Well, because uh, this other system needs it to, to pro Why? Keep going up. And I'll say, keep going up the chain until you reach a human who is potentially your, your final customer or end user. So uh, that just kind of one technique I find useful to make sure you're asking enough question to get to the bottom of it, to know who is ultimately going to be using this and for what purpose. And you honestly will be very surprised by the result 
and the conversation that, that comes out of such discussion, uh, you're either going to simplify a lot of things, you discover there is a lot of other things you really don't need, or maybe the whole feature doesn't need to happen here. It needs to happen somewhere else and, and could be implemented in a much better way or a much simpler way, uh, up-chain from even uh, what you thought initially, and that could be better for the customer. Thus, it's better for the business overall. And actually, I have a story from, you know, from Magrix, from uh, from the initial the, the early days of the company, we had that idea to basically optimize the performance and the cost of running containers on the cloud infrastructure. And we thought that this should make sense. This is you know you're you're optimizing. You're gonna uh, you know for money and for performance. You're gonna have a, the right SLA, and you're going to have you're going to save your organization. You know, a ton of money and we kept developing the product with that assumption we had some initial checks but we did not really do the deeper dive with the customers but we realized at the end that actually the customers are they need a completely different thing the technology is really complicated for them it's not as it's not as easy as we assumed at the beginning to use containers and run them and they were looking for, as we call it, the day zero and day one insights and, and help. Our initial product was a day two product. And that kind of, um, the lack of uh, validation, early validation, you know, the right way, not only just doing the, the validation by asking a couple of questions, but asking the right questions and be consistent and insist to get the right answers. And as you mentioned, ask the five whys, keep asking why, 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 until you get to the root of that problem and get to something that is really, really simple and easy to demonstrate the value of to the customers. And in that case, you will be able to, um, to, to provide that value that you're after. Uh, so this is this is really important to to keep focusing on as you go and keep aligning your team uh, moving forward. Sometimes people get lost in the details or think that the customer has to be always the final paying customer at the end. It could be internal customer. If you are an SRE and, and you're building some tool and your users or customers in this case might be the developer team, the development team. So it could be the other developers in the team who are going to use your tool. Uh, those are your customers in this case. So start with that customer. What is their problem? What are they trying to do? Uh, should I make it a UI or would it be better if it's a CLI? Because they live in their terminals. You see, when you understand who this user is of your tool or of your, your, your product, you really kind of start thinking differently. Put yourself in their shoes and then start seeing how are you simplifying their life or are you complicating their lives? Are you making things faster or better? And that drives more adoption and appreciation and value of what you're building. Uh, and as such, I think engineers get to value their work more and have more satisfaction knowing what they built is getting used and actually solving a real problem for the end users. Sounds good. Now, let me share my experience actually about um, also from a non-engineering perspective. And I have two stories to share here. One with our, it was a, a conversation that we, I was having with my recruitment team. And we were, we decided that our customers 
for that team are going to be all the engineers that fall within you know the skill set or within the requirements that we need for you know for a certain opening and we started to sit together and try to understand what are they looking for how do we really make sure that they have a, a good experience with Magalix all the way from the first communication until having an offer or even if we say they're not a good fit for us but we wanted to make sure that they have that right experience so we started to ask ourselves those basic questions about why would they be interested in a job like this what would define a good experience for them why why there would be um, you know what would make them happy at the end of that experience even if they do not get the job offer from us and just asking those fundamental questions made us actually focus more on delivering happiness and delivering value to anyone who touches Magalix, even if those guys do not get hired at the end of the day. If they're not get hired, then they're looking for something to learn. Why did it not get um, selected? Is it something that might be related to their technical skills that they can improve? Can we give them some guidance and some feedback? So there are two things out of that story. Number one, a customer doesn't have to be, of course, your paying customer. Your customer could be anyone who is receiving some sort of a value or consuming your artifacts or your outcomes. And the other one is, it, it's not an engineering thing. It's, it definitely needs to be applied everywhere. And once you have that concept in mind, you want to make sure that you are uh, applying it everywhere. That's why we're saying it's a cultural element. And when we say it's a culture, again, it's not only for paying customers. It's for everyone you touch. Everyone this company or your company or your team interact with. Even the vendors that, that would deliver to you some of the services. The second, the second story is from our marketing team. And I think this is even more important, more critical, because the marketing team is all about crafting the right message and figuring out and con connecting the, the, the value or the features that we have to the needs of the customer. And we actually, uh, we were depending a lot on writing content. And we had from the beginning the idea, okay, the customers definitely are important. You want to make sure that you have the right messaging for them. But we wanted this to be consistent and be part of the team culture. So what we did at the end of the day is that we, we wrote a playbook, how to think of your customers when you write a piece of content. And we, that, that, playbook or framework you know as targeting who's your target audience what do you know do not know about them um what what exactly the persona what kind of stage they are in right now what kind of call to action that you would like to have what is your controlling idea and so on so building also that or focusing on the customer obsession culture outside of the engineering keep enforcing that concept throughout the different parts of your company Customer obsession doesn't happen by just reminding your team of the customer every day. It requires continuous coaching and it happens in different ways. But there are a few principles that you need to follow to make the customer obsession ingrained in your team's culture. 
this is something that has to be embedded in every aspect. And, and like you mentioned, this is something that obviously not just the engineering team, this is every team and every, every person in the company. Uh, it's a mindset, it's a culture. So it needs to be everywhere. And the way I think about it, when you want to have a cultural element or engineer, uh, kind of those leadership aspects within your, your organization culture, it has to be kind of uh, everywhere. From the interviewing process, your performance reviews, the way you conduct even meetings and all of that. It could be from the very simple things when you write tasks or stories in, in your JIRA to hand it over, you need to talk about the customer. You start your description by why are we doing this? Who is that persona? Uh, and you, you explain a little bit about the value and then you kind of dig more into the details. Always connect. An engineer should be asking the question, if that is not, you know, if you have a story or a task that does not have that description in that manner, you should kind of speak up and say, can you please explain that? Why are we doing this? Who's the customer? And that culture becomes kind of, you know, uh, it becomes everywhere. Uh, in your performance reviews as you do your annual and your one-on-ones. Uh, and you should also recognize people who demonstrate that kind of leadership principles and recognize them because that sets the example for others to follow. So it's a question of influence. Leadership is all about influence. So how do you influence your existing employee in the company as well as uh, screening uh, candidates you want to hire also for this skill set? Building the right customer obsession culture starts with hiring the right people who are excited and passionate about connecting with your customers. So from my experience, people who truly have customer obsession, honestly, you don't have to ask them anything. It's just so obvious when they talk about anything, they kind of, you know, <laughs> zoom it out of, out of them. It's like, you know, they're always talking about who's the customer and how they delighted that customer and, and how they solved that problem. And you can always see it and how passionate they are. Um, uh, but sometimes you have to probe for it. Uh, and it. And it honestly says when you ask them about projects they worked on, it just kind of, you want to see, do, do they know who the customer was? So you can ask who, who, who are your customers for this project or product? Um, what do you know about them? After they, they deliver the feature, what was the feedback from the customer? You know, somebody who's obsessed about customers or always thinking about the customers want to follow up, want to know how, how did it go? How did the customer end up using the product? What's the feedback so they can improve it and incorporate it back? Um, so if they don't have any experience, they don't talk about the customers, just they almost don't care, they don't even know, that already gives you the red flag that probably they're not really customer oriented. Uh, in that sense, they just build things for the sake of building things or making their own assumptions as opposed to trying to make sure they are solving a true customer problem and a customer need. Um, so those are some of the ways you can just check. I, I see it usually by talking about projects and product they worked on, uh, the results they delivered, uh, the impact of it to the customers, uh, and, and ways they went out of the ways or how they describe the work to even engineering team or other teams they work with. Yeah, I like that. And uh, I, I would like also to share uh, my personal story uh, while interviewing at Amazon. And it was, uh, it was interesting because they actually were focused on what the customers that we missed. So the story is as follows. I was in, in that in that meeting room uh, and the the interviewer was basically asking me about some of the service SLA that I was designing and um, 
you know, we were designing it for four nines, and then we discovered that we're not really four nines. It's uh, it's the the availability of the service was less than that, and to my surprise, he kept asking me about the customers that we missed. How did we identify them? How did we communicate with them after that? How did we make it up for them? So uh, he just ignored all the all the customers that are that fall within the SLA that we met the SLA with, and he kept talking about those other guys. How do you feel for them? How did you really communicate with them? How did you make sure that uh, next time you're designing your service to really account for those? Now, practically, we cannot design a service that's 100% available, but his his main goal behind that exercise and those kinds of questions is, do you really have that connection with the customers? Do you empathize with them, right? You have that empathy that, that anyone would need so that they start with the customers. You want to be careful about how you balance customer obsession with your other cultural elements and leadership principles. You should never lose sight of customer needs, but you also want to set a limit. I think you always do. However, like we talked about in another episode about bias for action, sometimes these things come into conflict. And that's the idea. You're trying to create a healthy balance. Because sometimes what happens is if you obsessed about the customer in the wrong way, you end up spending a lot of time trying to understand everything about the customer. And that paralyzes you. You're not moving forward because I still don't understand all the requirements. I'm still trying to figure out this last piece of detail. Uh, There's still a few more customers I need to talk to. Uh, So sometimes if you over-obsess in that way, you're going to be obviously missing bias for action. So you're going to be in an analysis paralysis. You're trying to solve all the ambiguity up front trying almost to get into kind of a waterfall model where you're trying to figure out all the requirements up front before you move, make any move. Uh, and that's absolutely not, not the right way to go about it. And that's why there is the leadership principle about bias reaction. You have to keep moving. You have to use prototyping as a way for you to even clarify and define. Oftentimes, your customer might not know what they need. So you need to show them something and then that opens the conversation and that gives them an idea of what you were talking about and that opens more, uh, more ideas uh, that you can then uh, iterate over and deliver more value incrementally. And also that engages them in the process so they feel they are part of it and they can see the result and they feel this is their own solution as well as opposed to something you just made out of nowhere. You know, what, what signs do you look for in a team where you feel that this team is a truly customer obsessed. You know, we've been talking about questions and you should ask this, you should ask that, but what indicators, how do you, how do you see teams working together when they truly apply, you know, start with customer principle or concept? So when you starting with the customer, you're also going to end up with the customer. And I think, the outcome of this, you, you end up be building the right thing because you are engaging with the customer, you, you're understanding the customer, you're always thinking about the problem they have and how to fix it. And I think the outcome of all of this becomes, you become result-oriented. You deliver results. And that's how you get to that happy customer and you can see it because you build the thing they wanted, the thing they needed, as opposed to you almost ignored everything they said and you went on and, and built a great technology maybe, but doesn't solve any problem for them. 
So I think this is really kind of the ultimate outcome of this is you deliver the right results. Uh, and you can see it in your customer adoption, you can see it in their cust your customer satisfaction and engagement with your product, your technology, or whatever the thing you are selling or your service. Uh, and I think that is the rewarding part at the end of it. That's why we start with the customer or even get obsessed over this, is you get that returning customer, you get that happy customer, you get that paying customer as a result because you are listening to them and you are thinking about them. It's almost like every time in a meeting is there, it's like there is a chair reserved for that customer and you feel that they are always there in that meeting and their voice is being heard and they're presented it. I love that. I love the, the, the chair that is dedicated to a customer. I usually ask that question to teams and, and leadership uh, just to assess whether they're truly customer uh, obsessed or not, which is simply, when was the last time you talked to a customer? Uh, it's 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 really important because if the last time you talked to a customer is a few months ago, and you had a few iterations uh, in between, then this means that you're most likely you drifted from what the customer is looking for. Um, and and when it comes to meeting the customers, is you have to do this really frequently. It doesn't have to be associated with how frequently you release your software. You still need to do those interviews over and over again. I remember the best time we were able to get an accurate messaging about our website and understand truly where we stand in the market. When we were having that mandate within our marketing team to meet five customers each week. We spent three months, we were just feeling lost and we said, you know what, we're going to get uh, uh, our North Star realigned. And as a result of that, we were saying, we're going to meet five customers every week. If, if we could not find from our customers, let's find a representative of our customers. Whatever it takes, let's meet someone. Let's just talk to someone. The more frequently you do that, the more you're closer to achieving what you, uh, what you would like to, uh, to have within your, within your culture, which is having a customer obsessed um, uh, uh, culture or prioritization in general and that's super super important for startups who are still looking for the pmf or the product market fit thanks for listening to this episode of looking ahead please pass it along to someone you believe can apply some of what we discussed here at their jobs or personal lives for updates on upcoming episodes or to find out how to be my next guest, please visit my website, mohammedfahmed.com. Until next time, remember to keep looking ahead.